what it is what's up gotcha podcast um so ben simmons right uh this should go out monday which i believe is either the day before opening day or the opening day uh let's see philadelphia 76ers okay so for us october 20th will be opening day so that's pretty fucking ass it really let me see it is okay well so opening day i think as a whole i believe is the 19th so we're one we're in the the b shift basically the second shift and either way we'll be very close to the start of the season and i have not talked about nba basketball in here and i don't know how long i haven't talked with the sisters i know in quite a fucking while i believe since game seven and I think a lot of things went right this offseason, right? I think they did good acquiring spacers. I think Georges Niang has been, has seemingly been a very good addition. You know, preseason, you know, uh, sometimes the shit doesn't translate, but at the very least, he does seem to have a translatable skill from team to team, which is his ability to shoot basketball. And he's able to move well enough to stay on the floor on defense, which it's all really matters because I think that when you got into trouble with Mike Scott is that like he couldn't be a small ball five. He wasn't a very he wasn't a very fluid uh, four, and he couldn't shoot. So if Nane can just at least you know stay in front of his guy for the most part at the four, and then just stroke that shit when it open, um, it kind of bring a lot of value that someone like um, I'm trying to think who was. <laughs> The Ursan year, who else was there? There was another there was another big that could shoot. I can't think who it was. But, you know, I'm thinking about Bellinelli. It wasn't a big with Bellinelli. But um it could bring, you know, maybe at moments in a special lineup, a special situation, maybe small ball five chances. I think he's like six eight, so probably not too often, but maybe some situations you could kind of open up for that. Uh or you could run like him at four, you know, Ben if he plays at five. Yeah, that could be interesting. Just a change up. But um I like I like Nang. Uh, Drummond is what I thought he'd be for the Lakers in, in non-LeBron situations, which is a creator. Uh, he can create at the the mid post, at the top of the free throw line. Uh, he can kind of do his thing as far as dribbling, you know, for a five. It's just it's just diminishing returns, not diminishing returns, but um, kind of just the concept of like not wanting the guy to do too much, or you'll start getting diminishing returns. Like, I think you can let Drummond rock. And when you did, when Cleveland did that for like the first 15 games or so, it looked pretty good last year. And then kind of along the way, you know, I think you tried to get Setson more involved, Garland. And as a guy without the ball in his hands, Drummond just kind of looked ass for the most part going forward. And then I guess you just want to kind of quit and not quit, but get off that team and go somewhere else, which is Cleveland, dude. I mean, who wants to live in Cleveland? Um, so yeah, that that's my thought process for him. If you can get him his touches, which he needs his touches, but if you get him his touches, get a guy a point that can kind of put pressure in the rim and let him kind of clean up the mess. I mean, there's ways to optimize Andre Drummond, and I think they've done a fantastic job of doing that so far in the preseason. Uh, so I, I definitely think that he'll be able to add more value as a piece when Embiid is out or hurt than Dwight. Dwight was pretty much unplayable. Uh, 
period. Uh, so I, I, I didn't like Springer. I didn't like the Springer pick. Springer can do a lot of things, put a pressure in the rim. Uh, he's very flexible and mobile body-wise. He's a non-shooter. And he doesn't seem to even have an idea of the shooting requisites of the NBA level yet. Uh, which I think Matsy was not the greatest shooter of all time either coming into NBA. But like, I feel like Matsy had like some shots that he showed consistently uh, as a primary ball handler in Kentucky that made me think this guy can be, you know, number one option, a number one scoring option at some point. Uh, if not for anything, just to get his own shot versus creating for others. But I think he's, I think he's starting to get like at least a drive and kick part of the, the game down. He's still not not a good point guard. You are taken away from the team by even asking to be a point guard. It's kind of like Taylor Horton Tucker, uh, his first season at the Lakers, where it's just if you ask him to get his own, that's the best version of him. You kind of got to figure out how to make that work with players that are obviously better than him or at least more experienced at being number one, number two, number three options, right? But um, I was gonna, I'm always gonna love the Maxi pick because of what he's just shown when given the opportunity to show something. Uh, Isaiah Joe, uh, Arkansas legend. Um, I thought he, I thought him and Mason Jones were gonna tear up the fucking SEC tournament and maybe the entire NCAA. If they had the chance to, unfortunately, they never did. I think Mason Jones hasn't worked out for Art, not Art, uh, Philadelphia so far. They let him go. I hope he gets, you know, fall on his feet and do well. I think also let Ray John Tucker go, who was kind of a super athletic dude that just kind of didn't show much in terms of skills. But I think Joe made it through, and I think he... I mean, you think about some of the potential lineups, which is actual, like, volume, marksman. Seth Curry's going to get his feet under him. Uh Moss has been, you know, a laser for the most part. I say Joe... Uh, George Niang. I mean, defense is the biggest thing. I think that you still have... He's so undersized, Isaiah Joe. Cork Moss is an undersized three. Uh, Seth is undersized really anything you want to put him as. Usually he plays, I think, two, but still undersized. And then, you know, Niang is a four. That kind of weird tweener type situation. So it's... Those guys as a lineup probably should never be together as a whole, but like... God, they they... They really, I think, could fit a lot of problems in that previous offense. If, if Rivers can continue putting out, you know, good lineups and lineups that make sense more than anything, there should be at least, I would say, two knockdown dudes in the court at all moments. I would always have at least one of Isaiah, Corkmaz, Nang, and Seth on the court at all moments. Like, that's just how I would look at it. Like, the defense team-wise, and I'm talking even if you get Ben or not, the defense team-wise between Ben and Bede probably increased minutes for Matisse and then Dane Green. You're always going to have like three plus defenders, like plus plus defenders with the way the roster is currently constructed. And obviously if you lose Ben, you know, I think if you lose Ben, you probably go into this thinking Seth, Danny, I don't know Matisse's health status, but you know, Dream War, I guess if he could still go, probably Matisse, Tobias, then Joel. I would think, because that gives you three plus spacing options between Embiid, Seth, and Danny. And then Tobias, you know, can operate from outside. Uh, so you can survive with Matisse being a non shooter. 
But that's kind of like the, that's the flexibility you got. You could like, take, you could take him out and put you know, Nangans, uh, Tobias against threes. That's not a, a great situation. I, I think you kind of, I think you're kind of cement to the idea of having Danny as a starter. So probably Danny the two regardless. I guess Seth to the one, and then you kind of just have to make that three work. Nang is not a three to me. Tobias isn't optimally a three. I guess it's between Matisse, maybe Isaiah and Furkan, which I don't know. Having Furkan and Seth does make me think twice defensively. Like Furkan can survive in certain situations, but like the thing is, like there's no there's no three matchup if you have Furkan in. Like there's no who will see is he going to cover LeBron? Is he going to cover LeBron? Is he going to cover Katie? Is he going to cover like? I think he put Danny on KD in the preseason, which was not great. I mean, they survived with it because they just was shooting the fucking lights. I was throwing the ball out, but like, they're not going to survive having Danny Green on fucking Kevin Durant in the playoffs. Like, Danny, Danny should not be on a very fast one or a very tall three, in my opinion. There's like a very limited range of guys I would love to have him on, but he's really good against those guys. Um, I, I think you really. You really need Matisse. Matisse is a big part of this. Like, you can't not have Matisse if you're not going to have Ben. And if you have Ben, then okay, you're good. But, like, you really need to have Matisse. Um, going from there, offseason, I think I think it was a decent offseason. Um, what's my thoughts as far as the actual sim situation? So, I, I'm not going to really go too deep into it because I've heard all these kind of mental processes that people that are more connected to me have had. And I don't want to, like, regurgitate just beat narratives but there's like three thoughts real quick I don't think Simmons himself is a real game plan on how this worked out Simmons to me seems to be a very emotive person he just kind of has emotions he goes with them and that's it uh you know emotive in the sense of like behind the scenes from what it, from what it appears um he's, he does seem to be very very confident uh as far as it comes to basketball like what he has I think he has some maybe some discomforts mentally on certain aspects, especially being a, a high performer type of guy. And I think basketball is probably the main place where those kind of leak out. Because obviously, I mean, the the, the, um, the weight of the situation, expectations, and you can even see like LSU played free-flowing his first year without really any expectation except just to go do your thing. Uh, and then Embiid is hurt. He just kind of just can be the, the man. Uh, he does very well. There's situations in which I think Ben is mentally free of kind of the Ben problems. And even, I mean, the scissors to try to get a team doctor, a team psychologist out to talk to him. Um, and I don't know if anything was made out of that, but they've clearly tried to, they've clearly identified themselves that there's a problem mentally with Ben Simmons, especially as as the uh, the basketball parts of things go. And I don't really know the think of that COVID uh, Ramona Shelburne kind of smoking gun situation, but I think that, you know, you can kind of present any way you want to present it and the way the audience is going to think about it as well, this fits what we know about Ben Simmons. Like we know Ben Simmons passed over open shot in that game. So it fits his confirmation bias that, oh, he tried to fake a COVID uh, case and get the fuck out of the game, you know, or get not even have to go into the game at all. Um, 
it's just a confirmation that, that could be a bullshit story but it's going to make sense to us because we know who ben simmons is as the outward persona is and it fits that belief system that we have about him um I, I didn't read it because it's most of the I think most of the juice stuff behind ESPN plus they give you like four or five paragraphs it's like ESPN plus uh, barrier before I could gather from Twitter um Jazz King other people it seems to be at the very least some things in that report that fits even connected people's beliefs on what who Ben Simmons is I don't think the story really matters because I don't think the story can be concretely confirmed one or the other, but there's at least thought processes that have existed for months about Ben Simmons since really, I guess, the Hawk series. And this is just kind of a, there's some nugget of truth in there. And maybe that's encased by a bunch of bullshit, but that nugget at least makes you think, I suppose. And in that sense, it's really hard to see how they ideally want to go into the playoffs with him as a top, even I would say three or four scoring option necessarily, because I think that my center structure though is pretty fucked up. Ideally, as a top three or four uh, scoring option, the best version of him, I think, as far as past the first round is gone, was actually in that Toronto series where they took him off the ball, where he pretty much just. Had to D up Kawhi, make Kawhi's life hard, and, you know, maybe run transition a little bit when Kawhi's not in the game, and then, you know, maybe get a couple of rebounds. That's the, the seemingly has been the best version of him to this point past the first round. Um, and he was a disaster on the ball in that series, and he was largely a non factor in the Hawk series, which makes me believe that maybe some residual thing going on in his head where he's like I don't want to repeat that I don't want to be fucking horrid and they did a really good job of playing him up uh putting big bodies on him and making him you know kind of work and the big the, the problem is why the reason why that works because he just refuses to he refused to go to the, the cup pretty much like anytime you want to go to the cup against like um Gallinari or or even Jalen Collins I mean he got a couple on Jalen Collins and going to the rim possibility is there i mean he literally just blew past gallinari like twice in one quarter uh to open up i think the first quarter of i mean like game five or game six and he just like basically didn't score for like the rest of the game like that that's a ben simmons game from that playoffs that that's mental shit and uh, he westbrook is an advantage um, a matchup he's taken advantage of quite a few times over um westbrook gambles for steals simmons is someone that gets stolen easy but Ben pretty much just puts his body on Westbrook and just gets past him. That that's like a something that happens very often when those two play. Um, I'm left to believe like if you can take advantage of him, he got deed up by Trey quite a few. I mean, not deed up per se, but like he was defended by Trey quite a few times in that matchup, and he could not support that mismatch. Knicks had the same problem with Trey on the court, but Ben Simmons is somebody that has shown the ability to at least dribble and drive. And there's a lot of times where he just did not do that with Trent uh, against him. I know he has the kind of the free throw yips where he's like, kind of like some, you know, parts in uh, LeBron's life where LeBron would just would not drive when he knew that he would get fouled more than likely had to go to the cup in tough situations. That was something LeBron did often. Uh, ben did, did that like times 20 against the Hawks. He just did not want to get fouled. Um, trying to think, trying to think, trying to think. 
the mid-rangers do i feel like i don't know what happened with those like this first season parts of the second season and uh you know in high school and then at the uh, lsu he had a good mid-range game at least when he seemed comfortable taking well he didn't even do the, the, the fucking you know stopping pops let's do the, the uh kind of fading baby hook he doesn't do anything that requires touch around the rim it seems like anymore which is just sad to see because you watch his tape against golden state I believe three years ago, uh, 2018, uh, he had like, I think 28, 32, something like that. And it's just, you know, mid ranges, uh, you know, a couple of baby hooks. Uh, he, he has, he practice moves. He just doesn't do them anymore. I, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, so I still to say that there's got to be a plan with Ben as, if you're like the Philly brass because you have to think deep down. You've seen enough to tell yourself like this guy is not a playoff winner. Uh, he's not a guy that can lead people particularly well in the playoffs. And we've seen, I think multiple times in the previous second round, even in uh, the one he lost against Boston Celtics. I remember they took Ben off the court and he played T.J. McConnell in the uh, game clinching uh, game and TJ McConnell plus and B just like went off like it was just pick and rolls open uh McConnell setting and beat up well uh he was getting his own shots you know off the gravity of Embiid the most success they had in that I think Embiid had in that series was without being on the court and they put Ben back on the court and lose the game um and I, I just I just think that like there's just enough of a graph to and I know you know more loves analytics there's enough to the point here to say that like those two are plus on defense. They probably don't get like killed in terms of like point margin too many too many times. Like maybe against Boston, but like against Toronto, against the Hawks, blah blah blah. But you have enough to say that this is the spots where Ben says I can do shit. Uh his pretty much everything drops in the second round, you know, significantly from what I understand. And you just know who he is as far as dragging down Joel's points as well. And you know Last round may, you know, buck against that trend because Embiid was just fucking incredible. But, like, Embiid, I think you could say a lot of what went down to his fourth quarter drops himself was that he was just basically having to carry the offense for the first three quarters. So that's when you would say, okay, this is Ben Simmons' time. But then Simmons would do shit. So it's like, numbers don't support, in my opinion, at least a lot of ones that matter, don't seem to support a Simmons and B like top two scoring situation uh and Tobias I mean his fucking fetish for long twos makes it where he's like you're nine of 19 for like 20 points or seven of 16 for like 16 points doesn't draw free throws does not like when we pass up threes for long twos uh does not do anything much in terms of passing out the post passing out of a double uh even drawing doubles really it just does not make the game particularly easier i think for at least the ben simmons and mb moments and then you have a lot of times where like he'll fucking post up on one side you have mb like get it off the handoff at the uh you know about the about the free throw line and you have like simmons start floating to the fucking dunker spot on the other side it's like what the hell are you guys doing I've seen that shit happen multiple times in that fucking series. Where you have uh, Harris around the mid-range. You have Simmons at the dunker spot, of course, where he's always at. You have Embiid, they'll run some action to get it to him. 
off a handoff. And he's fucking sitting like fucking three people, four people in the paint. Uh, Diamond including his man. It's there's no actions you can run if you're gonna have a four that's playing like a real four, not a fucking like two. Uh, and you have a one that plays like a fucking five. That, that you can't do anything with that. So they got they have to figure something out. I think you have to trade Ben at some point, regardless. Just because I mean, you know what it looks like, and you know you have such a they have a pretty extensive um, supporting cast, in my opinion, especially offensively. I guess it's probably the deepest offensive cast they've had, other than maybe the the twenty eighteen year where you know they went to 2018-2019. Other than that, though, I think this is the deepest cast. I mean, even you know you have Urson and Bellinelli, and I think JJ came after Bellinelli was gone as a replacement. But uh, there's some decent, you know, cats in that part. Uh, Dario Saric, TJ McConnell. Um, some guy I'm missing that's really good. Oh, my Rocco. I think this, I think this cast is just, because this cast knows who they are. Like, everybody knows who they are at this point. Everybody's a, re- a retained sister knows who they are. Everybody's a new sister knows who they are. This is a really good cast. But, like, they need another star. Um, even if Kyrie can't go, I don't think you can just say Joel, Tobias, and then hope Seth kind of becomes what he was last playoffs, and then just a bunch of depth. Because I mean, I think the Bucks have pretty decent depth. At least they have a good, you know, eight or nine man so they kind of trust, and they just rock off of that. Uh, then you go out to, you know, the Lakers. I mean, eventually, I know it doesn't look good so far, but I think eventually they'll figure out how to best make those ancillary pieces plus Russ make uh, work with LeBron and them, and Golden State. I mean, even if like Clay doesn't come out like 100%, you know. Uh, 80% clay can still snipe plus this evolved Jordan Poole. They have a pretty deep core too. Uh, they're going to they're gonna put up points. They're going to put up probably I would say 113 at least, you know, uh, this season. I mean, that's just off of like, math. Like, they just throw up threes like crazy. Uh, and yeah, I think you just really need another star to take it off. I mean, a real star. I fucking Tobias here. A real fucking star to take some kind of pressure off of uh the, the, the cast. I think the cast kind of did a lot. Well, that's what they could do in the Hawks series, but there's a lot of pressure them to perform because they make a lot of points that fucking Ben didn't. And that's the biggest problem with Ben is that Ben, even when he's like the fourth or fifth option, there's so many points you have to uh, account for, both from a three-point perspective and within the three-point, um, that we're not accounted for allows the defense just be lazy. Like, the defense just say, okay, I don't want to go out to the three-point line because there's... You know, you think about a point guard nowadays, he probably puts up about eight, nine threes, about, on average, I would say. Probably makes about, you know, three. If you're if you putting up, like, nine, probably make about three, maybe four. Uh, it's about 33% higher. I would say probably positional average probably about 37%, you know, maybe 36 Ben's a zero percent, and he puts up none. So that uh, right there, the math kills you. And then he, his main action is that fucking triple handoff, where he pretty much creates no separation uh, unless you're Seth, you can kind of shoot off of a moving screen that's not really good, uh, which is like a the like dick tip of space. And then Ben is in roll. So like even if you're a point guard, a real point guard, there's no roll option. So it's pretty much just. Like, you're just moving, basically. You're moving from point to point B with no real separation. Uh, I mean, I think Seth does a good job of working off of those as best he can. But Ben doesn't give you any kind of rim-running threat for the most part either. He's just fucking offensively impotent. 
with what you want as a, as a point, uh, even as a bigger point. Just do anything off ball, like pretty much just post up. And the dunker spot doesn't really post up per se because he can't fucking post up. So he just kind of stands in the dunker spot away from the rebound. <sighs> it's tough, dude. I'm the closest with thinking about some of the, the probably the three biggest things I think needs to get fixed going to the playoffs. So I mean that's really what matters at this point for Philly. It's either playoffs or bust. It's really ECF or bust. Like I think ECF, you feel like this is a success of the season considering everything that's happened. But anything below ECF is just a fucking failure in my opinion. Um figure out when it's your deadline for getting bent off of here. Is it trade deadline? Is it early in trade deadline? Because if you say trade de- trade deadline, that, that's I believe late January or early February. Uh, you only have about I'd say two months to get really acclimated lineup wise, and that's not a lot of time. We've seen the Lakers have about two months to get things figured out. That didn't work too well for them. Um, we've seen you know some other acquisitions that were highly. You know, value to have maybe injuries or something like that. It pretty much fucks them up. So it's it's it's, it's no margin of error if you trade somebody at like the deadline per se. Uh, I think they're really operating around the December fifteenth deadline, which is where you can kind of have a lot of guys that are recently signed pieces get traded or be eligible to be traded. So I think somewhere around January, hopefully early January is where they want to get this thing figured out. But if you're gonna run Ben out there, you have to have a plan. Communicate to him that this is what you're going to be. We're going to basically shut you down to kind of figure something else out because you don't really need to have Ben play for half the season and be like, okay, well, he's not going to change anything up. He's not going to become a better shooter or anything like that. So we're just going to try to figure out another lineup for closing uh, against playoff teams. That can't be what you do. You got to figure that shit up, shit out ASAP. No rocking. Um, number two, uh, really try to figure out, you know. How does Drummond look against good teams? Because I know against a lot of good teams, a lot of marquee games, they'll probably lean to a truncated lineup where Joel plays close to 40 minutes, 48 minutes to 40 minutes. Uh, and Drummond will probably get like maybe, basically like Dwight will like about seven, eight minutes somewhere along the way. I think you really want to know what Andre looks like against more than anything to see how Andre himself wants to perform against those teams. Is he going to be a team sharer, team helper? Is he going to be Andre Detroit where he just tries to take over? You want to have a good image of what Andre looks like because Andre, to me, is the linchpin of your second unit. Uh, even Tyrese comes off the bench, uh, and I think he's probably one of the better bench players in the league if he could translate what happened in uh, you know preseason summer league. You still need to have Drummond be Drummond because you don't have another five that you can really look at and say, I'm depending on him. Uh, you know, Paul Reed's been like a small ball five in the past. Um, Charles Bassey, like, is not there right now. Um, so you need Drummond to be Drummond. I need him to be that. And if you can't use Ben's small ball five, the only option really is George's or Tobias Harris, which is not ideal. Uh, so I think Drummond is very important. And I think that I understand what Drummond is going to be very early in my opinion against better teams, better competitions, better second units. Um and at number three, just try to figure out, you know, what's your what's your like what's your if you had to make a crazy superstar trade happen, who's touchable, who's not touchable, who's 
going to be part of a closing lineup or the closing rotation if you can make that happen and then just insert you know do like vision like uh not vision a fucking guy from mcw or mcu but like do a kind of vision practice and be like hey i want to have ideally tyrese bill matisse Nang and MB, something like that. I like just have an idea of if I could get this guy, who's gonna be part of this? Who's like who's realistically part of this? Who realistically is not? If you're going after someone like Bill, I would think Seth is gone. Ben's obviously gonna be gone. Uh, she might lose like <sighs> Matisse. Um, you know, you really start getting to the weeds here, but like. Just try to plan out positioning like how it's gonna work out, you know. Like Dame, you might lose Tyrese, you might lose Ben, you might lose fucking Springer. Probably not Springer, but you might lose like somebody else, like you know, Shake. You know, you might lose a lot of guard rotation. So kind of figure out how that works out. I mean, more I trust him to do that. But this is just some of my thoughts on, on like Philadelphia basketball. It's gonna be more of a Ben Simmons podcast in my head, but I felt better doing it like this, kind of just getting a general overview. I hope y'all can enjoy this a little bit. Um, Hopefully I can do some more things as far as this goes. Try to really work out a regime as far as or routine as far as kind of how I want to really approach just content because I don't want to do this every day. But maybe some big moments. Maybe Ben fucks up or maybe Ben comes out shooting the basketball. Maybe Ben just is like pretty much a mute, you know, pretty much hard and towards telling his tenure at Houston. He comes like fat, you know, something like that. But I wish everybody the best. I uh, hope you all enjoy this season. I think it'll be fun one way or the other. Uh, Spar is going to be on Philadelphia like a hard knocks uh, broadcast. So be ready for a lot of uh, really bad takes. Uh, that's going to come often and frequently.